you back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. A daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America first perspective. Streaming live on iHeartRadio and available as a podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. And you can follow me on Twitter at Right Now Jim Dawes. Shoot me an email. The address is rightnowjimdaws at gmail.com. And you can call our vent line and get something off your chest at 772-245-0750. That's Democrats opened their impeachment hearings yesterday, and I'm, you know, I watched them because I have to. I, I've got to be able to report accurately and and give uh, people that work for a living an idea of what these uh, lunatic Democrats are up to. And as near as I could tell, this hearing didn't go any better for the Democrats than the uh, the uh, Robert Mueller hearing or uh, the, the Michael Cohen hearing or the Lewandowski hearing or any of these other uh, theatrical performances that, that the Democrats have tried to orchestrate. They used uh, Jerry Nadler, a thoroughly repulsive figure, for uh, the Mueller hearing, and it, it flopped. Then they used the late, great Elijah Cumming, who were supposed to believe now was some sort of um, paragon of virtue. They used that for the Michael Cohen hearing. It flopped. And now they're, uh, they're going to one of the most discredited and dishonest people in Washington, D.C., and that's saying something. Adam Schiff, who chairing our intel committee, and they brought forward these, uh, these two diplomats, worked for the State Department, Ambassador Bill Taylor and uh, Deputy Assistant, Second-in-Command, Undersecretary of State of the Charge Aid Affairs of some, you know, uh, obscure uh, operation out of the State Department, George Kent. And they opened up with these long-winded dissertations about their service to the country and their family's service to the country. And it was all, it was all good. You know, if they want to go into a uh, foreign service, I, I, that's, that's fine. They haven't done anything near as I can tell that has benefited the United States in that regard, at least both of them. Well, no, Taylor was a, a military veteran, uh, who, who served, uh, you know, had exemplary service. But they just went on and on, and I could I could hear televisions across this land switching off while these guys bloviated and talked uh, about themselves. And then in uh, in Taylor's opening statement, he went on for almost an hour about uh, you know the, the the subject of this, and it was all double blind, triple double hearsay. Somebody told me that he's told him that I heard that, and it was just amazing. And it was going so poorly, with so such a, a a flop that people who had waited hours and hours in line to get a seat in the hearing room were getting up and leaving. 
I probably shouldn't be telling you all this because um, <laughs> I am going to take you uh, through the play-by-play or the blow-by-blow, I should say, in this first half hour of today's program. And in the second half hour, we're going we're gonna to take a little bit of a deeper dive into the corruption involving the Bidens in Ukraine and, uh, and talk about a little, little bit of the history, sort of try to give this some context but, you know, we're supposed to cover the uh, the blow-by-blow. Blow and, and, you know, to that degree, it was entertaining uh, to watch the Democrats once again open themselves up, you know, sort of like putting one of these kick-me signs on on their backs. And the, the Republicans uh, were, were more than happy to take them up on it. Devin Nunes opened by putting this whole impeachment frenzy of the Democrats in the context of the Trump administration, uh, the Trump election. In a July open hearing of this committee following publication of the Mueller report, the Democrats engaged in a last ditch effort to convince the American people that President Trump is a Russian agent. That hearing was the pitiful finale of a three year long operation by the Democrats, the corrupt media, and partisan bureaucrats to overturn the results of the 2016 election. After the spectacular implosion of their Russia hoax on July 24th, in which they spent years denouncing any Republican who ever shook hands with a Russian, on July 25th, they turned on a dime and now claim the real malfeasance is Republicans' dealings with Ukraine. In the blink of an eye, we're asked to simply forget about Democrats on this committee, falsely claiming they had more than circumstantial evidence of collusion between President Trump and Russians. Adam Schiff. We should forget about them reading fabrications of Trump-Russia collusion from the Steele dossier into the congressional record. Adam Schiff. We should also forget about them trying to obtain nude pictures of Trump from Russian pranksters who pretended to be Ukrainian officials. We should forget about them leaking a false story to CNN while he was still testifying to our committee claiming that Donald Trump Jr. was colluding with WikiLeaks. Adam Schiff. And forget about countless other deceptions, large and small, that make them the last people on earth with the credibility to hurl more preposterous accusations at their political opponents. And yet now, here we are. We're supposed to take these people at face value when they trot out a new batch of allegations. But anyone familiar with the Democrats' scorched earth war against President Trump would not be surprised to see all the typical signs that this is a carefully orchestrated media smear campaign. Media, Democrat, one in the same smear campaign. Devin Nunes just lit up Adam Schiff in his opening remarks and illustrated the absurdity that uh, one of the most dishonest, partisan, hyper uh, leakers in Washington, D.C. is sitting as chair of our intelligence committee, determined to take down uh, the president of the United States in this orchestrated smear coup. And then uh, Nunez really, really dug in on Schiff. And most egregiously, the staff of the Democrats on this committee had direct discussions with the whistleblower before his or her complaint was submitted to the inspector general. 
Republicans can't get a full account of these contacts because Democrats broke their promise to have the whistleblower testify to this committee. Democrat members hid these contacts from Republicans and then lied about them to the American people on national television. And most egregiously, the staff of the Democrats on this committee had direct discussions. I almost played that a second time. What was really interesting to me yesterday, you know, watching these, uh, uh, these representatives, most of which are lawyers, are the best arguments, the best questioning, the best framing of this issue came from Devin Nunes, a dairy farmer from California, and Jim Jordan, a wrestling coach from Ohio. They blew these lawyers out of the water in their in their uh, arguments and their questioning. And um, Jim Jordan was also, uh, you know, able to make a, a, a part of an opening statement. And, uh, you know, you remember that Jordan was moved from the Judiciary Committee where he had uh, been the most effective defender of the president over to the Intelligence Committee specifically for these hearings. And, um, and he pointed out the whole dishonesty surrounding this whistleblower. There's one witness, one witness that they won't bring in front of us. They won't bring in front of the American people. And that's the guy who started it all, the whistleblower. Nope, 435 members of Congress. Only one gets to know who that person is. Only one member of Congress has a staff that gets to talk to that person. The rest of us don't. Only chairmanship knows who the whistleblower is. We don't. We will never get the chance. We will never get the chance to see the whistleblower raise his right hand, swear to tell the truth and nothing but the truth. We'll never get that chance. More importantly, the American people won't get that chance. This anonymous so-called whistleblower with no firsthand knowledge, who's biased against the president, who worked with Joe Biden, who is the reason we're all sitting here today, will never get a chance to question that individual. Democrats are trying to impeach the president based on all that. All that? 11 and a half months before an election? We'll not get to check out his credibility, his motivations, his bias. I said this last week, but this this is a sad day. This is a sad day for this country. You think about what the Democrats have put our nation through for the last three years. Started July of 2016 when they spied on two American citizens associated with the presidential campaign and all that unfolded with the Mueller investigation after that. And when that didn't work, here we are. Based on this, based on this is a, the American people see through all this. They understand the facts support the president. They understand this process is unfair and they see through the whole darn sham. I would just take one little quibble with what Jordan said. He said that the Democrats spied on two members of the Trump campaign. And, uh, you know, I, I hear that a lot from these supposedly learned journalists uh, out of Washington, D.C. or, or out of uh, New York and Washington a lot. That is a, a, a false characterization. What they did was they used FISA warrants against two members of the Trump campaign in order to spy on the whole campaign. Because of this two-hop rule, uh, if you get a FISA warrant against somebody, in this case uh, Papadopoulos and Carter Page, you get to talk to every, you get to uh, monitor the calls, emails, and text messages of everybody they talk to and everybody that that person talks to. It's a two-hop rule can literally result in being able to capture the communications, all of it, of hundreds of thousands of people. But uh, uh, Jordan mentions in his uh, opening there that uh, Adam Schiff, um, you know, is the only one 
to uh, of the congressman to know who this whistleblower is. Well, the truth, and, and you know what happened then? And I apologize for not having a clip of this, is Adam Schiff turned around and said in the open hearing that he did not know who the whistleblower was. He can't even uh, restrain himself from telling a lie as as blatant as that. We all know that the whistleblower coordinated with Adam Schiff's staff, and if you believe that none of, none of the people on Adam Schiff's staff told Schiff the identity of the whistleblower, then you must be a Democrat. Maybe you're a Democrat. Need to start a, uh, a, a meme on that. We got to run out to a break. When we come back, we'll uh, we'll dig further into the hearing right after these messages. Stick with us. At Zenni, you get the same quality frame and lens options that you'd get from an optician for one tenth of the price, including blue blockers, progressives, prescription sunglasses, and more. The best part? Try on any frame, anywhere, with our 3D virtual try-on. Zenni.com. Eyewear for everyone. So, uh... The, the Democrats call these two swamp creatures, and, and that's what they are. Uh, you know, I, I honor uh, Bill Taylor's service uh, in the military, but uh, he ha- has, for the last 40 years or more, been, uh, you know, a deeply ensconced swamp creature in Washington, D.C. And, uh, and they testified all day. Neither of them have firsthand knowledge of anything that they testified to. Neither of them have ever spoken with Donald Trump. In the case of Bill Taylor, he got much of his information from articles in the New York Times. And, uh, you know, the Democrats like to go on and on about how this is not a court of law and that uh, the rules don't apply. Well, the reason that the rules are the rules in a court of law is because they have to be constitutional. And this process that the Democrats have put together just stomp all over the protections in the Bill of Rights. No ability to confront accusers, no um, no ability to call witnesses in your own defense. And they're trying to impeach the president without actually having cited a crime or a violation of the Constitution. None of the testimony yesterday, none of it, would have been admissible in a court of law. It's all double hearsay. A judge would order it to be stricken from the record and instruct the jury to disregard all of it. But these two guys went on and on about their views on American foreign policy. And much of that was directly at odds with uh, the foreign policy view of the president of the United States that wants to improve relations with Russia, that takes a very jaundiced eye at um, these hundreds of millions and, and indeed billions and billions of dollars that the United States taxpayers send overseas on the advice and counsel of these these uh, diplomats. And it was quite clear as they went on and on that uh, both Ambassador Taylor and Assistant Deputy Undersecretary of the Charge Aid Affairs of uh, Ukraine or whatever his title was, George Kent, have just a really basic 
as, as the politicians like to say, fundamental misunderstanding about who sets foreign policy. And somebody should have shooken these guys and, and let them know career government bureaucrats are not there to set foreign policy. The American voters, every four years, have a chance to send somebody to the United States to, uh, to um, uh, the presidency to determine what our foreign policy will be. And it's not an impeachable offense if the guy we send to be president of the United States disagrees with the swamp. So here's just an example of George Taylor uh, and putting into context what he came there to testify to. What, what I can do um, here for you today is tell you what I heard from people. Mr. Morrison said that he told Ambassador Bolton and the NSC lawyers of this phone call that I heard a staff person from the Office of Management and Budget say they told me that partway through the meeting, Mr. Morrison told me Ambassador Sondland also said, according to Mr. Morrison, Ambassador Volker said, Mr. Morrison said, this was an explanation <clears throat> that, that uh, Ambassador Sondland gave me about his understanding of President Trump's thought process. Oh, uh... uh. Ambassador Taylor's testimony just excited Chris Wallace over at Fox News to no end. Chris Wallace was saying, oh, how damaging that is. And he's got a voice like, uh, like um, what's the guy, the old newscaster, Monroe. Well, all that may be well and good, but none of it was dispositive and none of it was, you know, firsthand information. And, you know, faced with the Republicans pointing out repeatedly that all of this was hearsay, a, uh, a Democrat on the committee named Quigley, who was a lawyer, went on to make this absurd statement. Hearsay can be much better evidence than direct. Hearsay can be much better evidence than direct. Hearsay can be much better. That's such an absurd statement, it, it, it makes you scratch your head. But Jim Jordan, once again along with Devin Nunes, the, the most effective uh, cross-examiner on the, uh, for the Republicans, uh, had a better take on all of this hearsay. Ambassador Taylor recalls that Mr. Morrison told Ambassador Taylor that I told Mr. Morrison that I conveyed this message to Mr. Yarmack on September 1st, 2019, in connection with Vice President Pence's visit to Warsaw and a meeting with President Zelensky. Now, this is his clarification. Let me read it one more time. Ambassador Taylor recalls that Mr. Morrison told Ambassador Taylor that I told Mr. Morrison that I conveyed this message to Mr. Yarmouk on September 1st, 2019, in connection with Vice President Pence's visit to Warsaw and a meeting with President Zelensky. We got six people having four conversations in one sentence, and you just told me this is where you got your clear understanding. Which, I, I mean, even though you had three opportunities with President Zelensky for him to tell you, you know what? We're going to do these investigations to get the aid. Didn't tell you three different times. Never makes an announcement. Never tweets about it. Never does a CNN interview. Ambassador, you weren't on the call, were you? The president, you didn't listen on President Trump's call and President Lindsey's call? I did not. You never talked with Chief of Staff Mulvaney? I never did. You never met the president? That's correct. You had three meetings again with Zelensky and it didn't come up. And, oh, and uh, you know, when, when Jordan and Radcliffe and Nunez uh, were really discrediting these witnesses, uh, at least, you know, their testimony, Adam Schiff could not restrain himself 
from breaking in and once again trying to determine what questions are uh, allowed to be asked and actually admonished the witness uh, not to answer or be responsive to certain questions. Him and we're out to get him. If I go to, and I'll, I'll allow the question, but um, are you are asking? You really, are you, Parliament's the inquiry. Are you seriously interrupting our time? No, here? I, I will allow the question. I won't. I won't dock this from the time. Uh, I will allow the question, says Adam Schiff. I will allow the question. So you basically got the guy that's the prosecutor, is a very overzealous prosecutor, who is determined to convict regardless of the facts in this case. Also acting as the judge in determining what questions the Republicans are allowed to ask, or at least um, saying that he has that authority. Interrupting our time. I, I, I will allow the question. I won't. I won't dock this from the time. Um, I just want to be clear, Ambassador. If you're able to verify the things that counsel has asked you and the prerequisite of the question, that's fine. Otherwise, in questions from the majority or the minority, that may assume facts not in evidence before you. Uh, you should be cautioned about that. Oh, oh. so now we're going to concern ourselves for facts not in evidence. All of the testimony yesterday from these two guys assumed facts not in evidence. Mr. Chairman, point of order. The time is with uh, Mr. Uh, with Minority Counsel. Uh, Mr. Ratcliffe. Chairman, um, I sat here through the first 45 minutes and literally had an objection to almost the foundation of every question that Mr. Goldman asked regarding facts not in evidence, leading. But House Resolution 660 does not say that we, under, we are under the federal rules of evidence. They're under no rules of evidence unless uh, Adam Schiff determines that something's not going his way, and then he uh, reserves the right to himself to speak up and uh, and knock the questions down or instruct the uh, the witness how to answer. The takeaway was we had two relics of the Cold War, and you could see you really got a window into how the deep state has managed to reignite a Cold War with Russia that uh, Ronald Reagan won. They can't let it go. These people failed to capitalize on our victory in the Cold War and and to bring Russia into the family of Western nations. And now this Kent guy especially is trying to gin up another conflict with Russia. It's It's almost like they're trapped in amber. We sent the president there to get beyond this. Bill Taylor at one point went on this long dissertation about how the Ukraine is key to U.S. national security. He doesn't say how. He doesn't say how it's in America's interest to be over there agitating Russia. And he doesn't say why Europe shouldn't be taking the lead on this. They're claiming they're enforcing rules on the sanctity of existing borders and, and national sovereignty, which probably strikes, you know, coming from the United States, people's ear kind of uh, hard, ignoring Kosovo, where we destroyed the borders over there, and numerous other countries. And while we've been focused on Russia, China is eating our lunch. Got to run out to a break. We'll pick this up right after two messages. Stick with us. 
right here on the Mojo 50 Radio Network. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. Between prepping ingredients, setting the table, and planning your tomorrow, sometimes you need an extra hand with dinner. Delta Faucet is here to help. Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot with Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology and fill it with the perfect amount of water. Done. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to see how Voice IQ can fill your dog's bowl, wash your hands, and more. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. The Daily Journal of News, Politics, and Culture. From an American nationalist perspective. So I promised some broader context on what's really going on with this whole Ukraine gate saga that the Democrats have whipped up. And I'm going to try to uh, talk a little bit about the history of the Ukraine. The Ukraine, uh, going back for centuries, has been a, a hot spot of conflict between Europe and Eurasia. And uh, it has been fought over literally dozens of times throughout history in this, this great battle to control this, uh, this borderland. That's, that's the, ter- the term Ukraine means, borderland, between uh, old Europe and, and Russia and, and Eurasia. Um, and going back, uh, I, I think it was to the 1600s, there was a major uh, war fought where Catherine the Great, um, the Crimean War, captured um, Crimea for Russia that allowed Russia to have access to the Black Sea and ultimately uh, to the Atlantic Ocean on their uh, eastern frontier, or western frontier, I should say. So... Um, Went on like this for a long time. Of course, uh, Ronald Reagan engineered uh, our victory in the Cold War. We had these uh, these diplomats who had based their whole careers, including their education, on this conflict between the United States and Russia. They couldn't let go, and so they continued to, you know, fail to capitalize on our victory in the Cold War and to antagonize and vilify Europe by expanding NATO, which is our military alliance, right up to the borders of Russia. Russia reacted as could be expected by becoming, um, you know, uh, more cynical of the West's intentions with regard to Russia, and they ended up electing a former KGB agent to be president of, the United, uh, president of Russia uh, and try to restore some of their former strength. 
And then uh, in 2014, Joe Biden and uh, John Kerry went over to the Ukraine and engineered a coup that overturned a duly elected president of the Ukraine. Not my opinion. This was a uh, an election that was certified by the United Nations and European observers. But uh, Biden and Kerry uh, helped along with uh, Gloria Newland and a bunch of other CIA and State Department swamp creatures, uh, engineered a coup over there and, uh, and installed a pro-Western uh, government, which had the perfectly predictable outcome of Russia reclaiming the Crimea so that they could continue to protect their access. Crimea was a part of Russia, until I think it was 1952 or 1953 when uh, Leonid Brezhnev, who was himself ethnically Ukrainian, the president of the Soviet Union, I think they called him president, probably general secretary of the, the Soviet Union, in order to try to uh, you know solidify their, um, their relationship with the Ukraine, returned the Crimea to the Ukraine. He also did it because um, it's much easier to administer Crimea from the Ukraine because um, the Crimea is not actually connected to Russia. It's not a a contiguous um, landmass since since Russia has reclaimed the Crimea. They've built a bridge across a uh, a narrow uh, channel uh, to connect to the Crimea, but uh, they're not connected by by land. Anyway, oh, I, that I am not a historian, as you can well see. But um, my point is, it was the United States actions and these this continued agitation of Russia by you know uh, uh, engineering this coup in the Ukraine, which has been associated with Russia for literally forever and who has a huge ethnic Russian population. That is what caused this current conflict. And now, um, you know, Biden and, and the state department and the CIA and John Kerry are over there overturning the will of the uh, Ukrainian voters. And, and my question again and again, you know, that kept coming to me in yesterday's hearings was why is it up to the United States The status of the Ukraine is a conflict between Europe and Russia. Historically, it always has been. Why is is it up to the U.S. taxpayer to guarantee uh, the the status of the Ukraine? And ultimately, will, if we continue on this road, end up costing the blood of American uh, military personnel. You know, when Trump ran for president, he said he wanted to improve relations with Russia and that we would probably have to accept that uh, Russia was reclaiming the Crimea. And when he came in, uh, the the bureaucracy, the Cold War bureaucracy that is calcified in the State Department and the CIA, um, were totally unresponsive to the president's um, campaign promise 
the fact they were actively resisting it and undermining it and, you know, through leaks in the press and, uh, and sabotaging the Trump agenda. And all the while that this is going on, the, uh, the uh, Chinese are eating our lunch. We're, we're building them up to the tune of, you know, over uh, $500 billion a year that they're spending to build their military while the State Department and the CIA are, are totally focused on this European conflict between uh, the EU and, and uh, Russia. So, you know, back to the hearings, what I'm taking away is um, the Ukraine, because of all these competing interests over there, playing Russia against Europe and the United States, has become hopelessly corrupt. And the president was inquiring about that corruption, at least with regard to the Ukraine's well-documented interference in the 2016 election and Joe and Hunter Biden, who appear to be knee-deep in this corruption. But we're supposed to determine uh, that the Bidens, because Joe Biden is running for president, is somehow immune from any any uh, examination of this. You've had Joe Biden and John Kerry and their cronies and, and others throughout the government that have had their snouts in the trough over in the Ukraine while the United States has been pouring billions of dollars of American taxpayer money and IMF, International Monetary Funds, over there. And you've got Joe Biden on video threatening to withhold a billion dollars unless the Ukraine's uh, the Ukraine fires the prosecutor that's investigating the company that's paying his sons millions of dollars. Democrats are totally unconcerned about that. Nothing to see here. This has already been investigated, they claim. Trump asks, what's up with that? Democrats determined he must be impeached for it. And you had this George Kent over there talking about, you know, um, Hunter Biden collecting all of this money from the most corrupt company and the most corrupt nation in Europe. And here's what he had to say of a long-standing problem of corruption in Ukraine included exposure to a situation involving the energy company Burisma. The primary concern of the U.S. government since 2014 was Burisma's owner, Mykola Zlochevsky, whose frozen assets abroad we had attempted to recover on Ukraine's behalf. In early 2015, I raised questions with the Deputy Prosecutor General about why the investigation of Mr. Zlochevsky had been terminated based on our belief that prosecutors had accepted bribes to close the case. Later, I became aware that Hunter Biden was on the board of Burisma. Soon after that, in a briefing call with the national security staff of the office of the vice president in February of 2015, I raised my concern that Hunter Biden's status as a board member could create the perception of a conflict of interest. The perception, he says, the perception of a conflict of interest. Notice that they, uh, they keep, omitting the fact that um, John Kerry's protege, Devin Archer, was also on that board and that the State Department with which for which these guys work were being lobbied by Burisma, citing Hunter Biden's name and Devin Archer's name in order to call off the dogs 
at the U.S. State Department. Of course, Donald Trump should inquire about the Biden's involvement in this. Joe Biden is the front runner for the Democrat nomination. He was knee deep in the corruption in the Ukraine. He doesn't get magic immunity because he's running for president. You know, I think if I ever decide to, um, to, you know, uh, become a criminal and engage in, you know, illegality, I'll, hell, I'll just declare myself a candidate for president of the United States and I'll get some of this, this sweet, sweet magic immunity. You know, what's uh, sort of uh, depressing yesterday is this uh, uh, counsel for the GOP who apparently, just by my watching, appears not to have ever read um, Peter Schweitzer's books on the, the graft and corruption in the Ukraine or ever read John Solomon's articles. Here's, uh, here's this guy. His name is Steve Castor point in time is has any anyone in the ukrainian government tried to reinvestigate that or did that did those crimes just go unpunished and was he free to go uh mr zlochevsky spent time as far as i understand in, in moscow and monaco after he fled ukraine uh we continued to raise as a point of order that because u.s taxpayer dollars had been used to try to recover frozen assets uh that we have a fiduciary responsibility uh and we've continued to press ukrainian officials uh, to answer for why alleged corrupt prosecutors had closed a case, uh, and we have, uh, till now, not gotten a satisfactory answer. So, to summarize, we thought that Mokola Zlochevsky had stolen money. We thought a prosecutor had taken a bribe to shut the case, and those were our main concerns. And are you in favor of that matter being fully investigated and prosecuted? I think since U.S. taxpayer dollars were wasted, I would love to see the Ukrainian prosecutor general's office find who the corrupt prosecutor was that took the bribe and how much it was paid. And that's what I said to the deputy prosecutor general on February 3rd, 2015. Well, that's what Trump is calling for. He's calling for an investigation into the corruption over there. But in addition to prosecuting the person that took the bribes, shouldn't the organization or individual that sponsored the bribes be prosecuted? I would agree that the Ukrainian law authorities should uphold the rule of law and hold people account for breaking Ukrainian law. Well, how about uh, their involvement in uh, trying to influence our election? I thought that was a major concern of the Democrats. They were all opposed to uh, foreign interference in our election. Donald Trump asked about it in the Ukraine. He's got to be impeached. But um, several times during... This hearing, they referred to Hunter Biden getting paid $50,000 a month. And that's what I'm talking about. It makes you wonder if they're keeping up with the news. Because John Solomon has been reporting for going on two months now that the number wasn't $50,000 a month. That was a number that was thrown out by the Democrats. The actual number is $83,000 a month that he was getting. And $83,000 a month that Devin... Archer was getting both of them collected over $3 million. Toward the end of the hearing, uh, uh, Jeff, uh, um, uh, Jordan pointed out, um, four facts that have, are not in dispute over the next few weeks 
We're going to have more witnesses like we've had today that the Democrats will parade in here and they're all going to say this. So and so said such and such to so and so. And therefore, we got impeached the president. Actually, we can get more specific. We covered this a little bit ago. They'll say something like Ambassador Sondland said in his deposition where he said, Ambassador Taylor recalls that Mr. Morrison told Ambassador Taylor that I told Mr. Morrison that I conveyed this message to Mr. Yarmouk on September 1st, 2019 in connection with Vice President Pence's visit to Warsaw and a meeting with President Zelensky. And if you can follow that, that's the Democrats' plan and why they want to impeach the president. That's what we're going to hear over the next couple of weeks. That's what we're going to hear. But no matter what they do, no matter how many witnesses they bring in here, four facts will not change, have not changed, will never change. The call shows no linkage between dollars and the investigation into Burisma or the Bidens. President Trump and President Zelensky have both said on the call there was no linkage, there was no pressure, there was no pushing. Ukrainians didn't even know the aid was withheld at the time of the phone call. And most importantly, as has been pointed out, the Ukrainians didn't take any specific action relative to investigations to get the money released. I think Nancy Pelosi has badly miscalculated the fact that she couldn't even wait 24 hours for the president to release the transcript of her call before launching the Democrats on this impeachment jihad shows you she doesn't have an open mind about this, that she's just doing this for political reasons. We've got to run out to a break. When we come back, we'll talk about the reaction to yesterday's hearing. Stick with us. We'll be right back. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, what's the word, delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. You remember when uh, when the Democrats, the left wing of the party, were agitating to start impeachment proceedings uh, against Donald Trump based on uh, precisely zero evidence of any high crimes or misdemeanors or other violations of the Constitution? Back then, Nancy Pelosi was resisting it because she knew, uh, you know, the price that the Republicans paid after they uh, impeached and tried to remove Bill Clinton. She was there and had a front row seat to that. She was back then. She was saying things like this. You have bipartisan consensus. Impeachment is a divisive issue in the country. I think people have to have to listen to her. She's really smart. I've always been reluctant because I think impeachment is something that really has an impact on the country. We knew she didn't want to go down the impeachment route unless there was bipartisan support. If it is viewed as partisan, uh, it will divide the country. And I just, I just, I just don't think that that's what we should do. Democrats are depriving Donald Trump of his favorite straw man argument that Democrats are obsessed with the I word. Impeachment is not. This is about the moderates, the ones who have made them a, a majority, who don't want to talk about this. Impeachment is a distraction. I think she said the right thing. I think she. 
did the right thing. I don't think that we should be talking about impeachment. The speaker is smart. Pretty brilliant. Quite cleverly. Impeachment is a, a very divisive uh, approach. Election should determine who's in office. Maybe Nancy Pelosi is right. We're just going to have to resolve all of this in 2020. The House of Representatives moving forward with an official impeachment inquiry. Sadly, the speaker lost control of her own conference. There is no bipartisan support for this impeachment process. No Republicans voted for this resolution. It was a party line vote. A bitter party divide. It did pass along party lines. If this just continues along partisan lines, it certainly doesn't look good for Democrats. So back then, Nancy was saying, you know, you can't uh, embark on an impeachment process strictly on partisan lines. And the media was, uh, you know, hailing what a brilliant uh, strategy that was and how uh, Nancy Pelosi was the grown-up in the room guiding the Democrat Party through these rough waters. And now Nancy Pelosi has embarked on this impeachment jihad without ever having read the actual transcript of this call that is supposed to be the basis for their impeachment effort after Donald Trump had promised to release it in just 24 hours. And that tells you what's happened here. All you people in these uh, red districts that elected Democrat representatives to go be a counterbalance against Donald Trump were sold a bill of goods. They, uh, anytime you increase or uh, allow the Democrats to have a majority, either in the uh, House or the Senate, you are getting the agenda of this far left wing that you see all these Democrat presidential candidates up there catering to and, and, um, and, uh, you know, towing, uh, that line open borders, uh, Medicare for all, including illegal aliens, continued endless wars overseas. And I think Nancy had it right to begin with. She had gotten her majority. I believe she'll lose it uh, because of this. And uh, and she should have tried to get some things done because now you've got uh, these these voters that uh, sent Democrats uh, to Washington realizing that they have been had. Here's a New Hampshire voter. Biden got a nice little deal for his boy and got a whole bunch of money for him and his firm and nobody said nothing about it. Hmm. But all of a sudden, Trump opens his mouth and says something. and Oh my God, and pinch him. I think some of these people in Congress should just get back to doing their job instead of trying to what they've been doing for two years. And- yeah, you might want to try to pass some legislation. There's important legislation sitting on their desk. First and foremost, the uh, the reform um, to NAFTA that the president negotiated with Canada and Mexico. If they would pass that, that would strengthen the pre- strengthen the president's hand in his negotiations with China. But they're just sitting on it, focused entirely on impeachment. Here's a Michigan voter. I think that uh, the Democrats are, are really just trying to overturn the results from 2016, and I think it's going to fail miserably. Milstrom also says his newly elected Democratic Congresswoman Haley Stevens will pay a political price for supporting the inquiry. I think that they have hung a lot of their uh, new new representatives out to dry. I uh, I think they realize what's going on, and and they're just frenzied in their determination to try to, uh, you know, hurt Donald Trump enough to where he can't win re-election. Here's another voter from Minnesota. 
Get all the impeachment talk and the hysteria in Washington, D.C. What's your reaction? Um, I, I honestly think it's laughable because the Democrats ran on working with the president. That's how they won so many of these red districts. Um, and then they completely do the opposite when they finally get to Washington. And so they, they can't be trusted. Interesting. So you, you think it's all a political game to ultimately take down the president? Oh, yeah. And I'm not worried about it. Um, I think the impeachment would honestly help him. So today in these hearings, we're going to be treated to this ambassador, uh, Jovanovic, who will claim through her tears that uh, she was fired uh, by Donald Trump uh, unfairly, that, uh, that, you know, it was um, – somehow some great wrong that we ought to be all concerned with that uh, that Donald Trump fired her. Well, what we know about Jovanovich is she was, uh, you know, a carryover from the Obama administration that was there during the 2014 coup that had a front row seat to all the corruption that the Democrats and their cronies were benefiting by and that she was actively undermining Trump's policies with regard to Ukraine and his determination to find out the extent of their interference in the 2016 presidential election. She was over there working against Trump and undermining Trump, and even if she wasn't, the president has an absolute right to have his own people, the people that he feels best represents the nation's interests in that job. So, you know... They put on their best witnesses yesterday. It was a flop. They're going to put on this uh, this woman to try to uh, to try to elicit some sympathy for her for being fired when she has absolutely uh, no case to make in that regard. I was glad to see uh, Jeff Sessions stand, uh, step up and uh, pen an uh, an editorial on the Fox News website. Uh, putting all of this into context and uh, defending the president after all of the abuse that uh, the president has heaped on him, Jeff Sessions is still staying true to the national interest. And I keep asking again and again, where is this IG report? We've been uh, told for six months now that the IG report is imminent, that it's going to expose uh, criminal wrongdoing by uh, the intelligence agencies uh, during 2016, and now they're telling us again that it's coming forward any day now. I'll believe it when I see it. Just down the street uh, from these, this hearing room yesterday, uh, closing arguments were being made in the trial, the, tri- uh, the, the inquisition against Roger Stone, and it, uh, it has gone to the jury now. Another continuation of this massive injustice that is going on against anybody that was associated with Donald Trump. They went after Manafort. They went after Papadopoulos. They went after General Flynn. They went after Roger Stone, who is basically just a raconteur. He was bragging that he, you know, uh, exaggerating on his uh, connections, and so they're they're going to um, <laughs> they're going to prosecute him for lying to Congress. Now, it's not exactly clear what these lies to Congress are, but if we're going to start prosecuting people from lying to Congress, I'm all for it. Let's start with John Brennan and James Clapper. 
Let's go to Jim Comey. Let's go to um, Hillary Clinton. The only people that are ever prosecuted for lying to Congress are uh, people associated with the Trump campaign. The same way the only people that are ever prosecuted for violating the Foreign Agents Registration Act are people associated with the Trump campaign. None of the Democrats that were violating this act ever got called to task. You know, there's a bill uh, introduced sitting in the Senate, uh, introduced by Josh Hawley and Marsha Blackburn of, uh, of Missouri and Tennessee that uh, proposes that we break up uh, the bureaucracy in Washington, D.C., that we start moving some of these agencies out of uh, the beltway and into the heartland of America. There's no reason not to do that. In this day and age, we now have, uh, you know, communications that would make it uh, sort of seamless for them to actually conduct business. But more importantly, it would break this bubble in D.C. and start exposing some of these uh, swamp creatures to normal, everyday Americans. So hell yeah, we ought to do that. At this point, Washington, D.C. has become an existential threat to the future of the Republic. It is so metastasized in their bureaucracy that they're actually a threat and i'm not exaggerating that well that takes us to the end of this edition of right now i want to thank you for joining us and invite you back here again tomorrow right here on the mojo 50 radio network we'll talk to you then need an extra hand with dinner just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot and delta faucet voice iq technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more. Here's to the innovators, the makers, the doers, and the hustlers of D.C. With Facebook Elevate, you can grow your business, build your online presence, kickstart your career, or turn your passion of creating content into a reality. Facebook Elevate is a program that provides free digital marketing courses and one-on-one coaching from experts that can help you grow your business. Learn more at facebook.com slash FB Elevate. Facebook Elevate, on the rise together.